You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 350 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm very excited about this week's uh, episode. We're going to be covering yes. awkward and cliche portrait poses Ooh. to avoid and uh, how you can improve them. And Fantastic. I, I'm, I, I say great. I may be, mm. you know, um, well, we're in lockdown. This is the second Still, week now. Yeah. In, and uh, I may or may not have gotten dressed today. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, a sign of my mental state. But, you know, aside <laughs> from that, I think we're all doing well, she says, with a facial tick. oh well thinking of you and other melburnians in lockdown big hugs to everyone around the world who's uh having like we've all been here at some stage you guys Mm. in avalon were locked down for a little while and uh hopefully uh hopefully it it, uh it ends soon so yeah but it's a good Mm. opportunity to uh, you know, catch up with stuff and, you know, catch up on. on... Well, and it's a real bummer because you were going to come to Sydney yeah, next week and I'm we really were going to hang out. Yeah, but I was really looking forward to that. Happen. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's not going to happen this time, but hopefully I'll be able to get up there uh, really soon, Val. Fantastic. All right, so we are doing, as you say, awkward and cliched portrait poses to avoid and how to improve them. But first, we have a constructive critique because Paris Constantinou has left a um, has is in the Facebook group, and of course, if any listeners want to join the free. Facebook group where we all hang out. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. So Paris has posted a photo, which we'll include in the show notes, or you can just check it out in the Facebook group, and has asked for a constructive critique. So it is a great photo, actually. Mm. It's of an artist with a small little easel and he's doing a miniature painting and it's sort of balanced on, it's almost like what looks like a camera tripod stand. And Mm. he is looking um, camera left to whatever it is that he's painting, which I suspect is a building of some sort because there's some beautiful old buildings in the background. It looks like it's somewhere in Europe. There's also what looks like tourists out of, you know, out of focus. Um, he's, 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 um, sharp, but behind him, there's like a crowd of tourists also kind of either looking at what he's painting or what he's looking at, but they're a little bit out of focus so that he is clearly the hero of the shot. And it's shot in daylight. He's wearing 
uh, a hat so that, you know, he's not really, he's, he's, the sun's off his face, um, he's not really squinting or whatever. And uh, Paris has said that he has shot this at F1.8 at ISO 100 at 1, 1 over 1250. So one one thousandth and two hundred and fiftieth of a second. Um, so Paris has also said that he would like some advice on some of the things that he sees are weaknesses, which are some purple fringing, which he says is visible on the white colour on the colour palette and ghosting appears on the painter's hand. And also... He says the main subject is the painter, but still the photo makes him like he lacks attention. Not exactly sure what Paris means by that, but what are your thoughts on this constructive critique, Gina? All right. So first off, Valerie, do you want to take a stab? Like we'll both guess because we don't know mm-hmm. where this was shot, but just t- take a guess. What What do you think? I'm what city in Europe say- do you reckon? Paris? Yeah, I'm going to say Paris too. So both of us will yeah. uh, guess that. And um, Paris, who's posted this uh, <laughs> critique, uh, let us know if we're, we're correct or not. But uh, mm. thank you for sharing this image, Paris. And I think uh, that when you're starting out and learning photography and you want to photograph people, photographing street performers or street artists is ideal because – uh, they don't mind being photographed at all. They're used to being stared at and, you know, that's why they're there. It's part of the performance. So, you know, mm. I think uh, it's just a good idea to, to, to tip them something and then, uh, you know, knock yourself out. You can take all sorts of uh, amazing photos and uh, spend your time. Don't be afraid to take your time doing the photos. So, what you're talking about here, Paris, with the purple fringing, that's uh, that's caused by the lens that you're using. And depending on the quality of the lens, what the coating of the glass is, uh, some particular lenses will have more fringing than others and it'll be more noticeable. But the good news is that using software, something like Lightroom, you can go into the develop module and scroll all the way down in the develop module down to the uh, camera uh, lens correction. And if you, you've got two options, you've got profile or manual. If you click on manual, then you've got some sliders there where you can actually just remove any fringing. So you can remove the purple or blue or green fringing and it works really well so that's that's easily fixed and not a huge issue um the other thing that you talk about is uh you're you're wondering i think by saying that the the painter lacks attention he doesn't stand out he's not the hero of the frame so you've got the people in the background who are out of focus which is using uh depth of field is a great way to minimize the distractions in the background but another thing that you could have done and maybe next time you get an opportunity to photograph a performer like this and you've got a crowd around is to just lower your camera angle so maybe you were standing with your camera if you just like uh, knelt instead or got down really low what would happen is your main subject is going to be higher in the frame and if you can get down low enough you can actually um 
all the people in the background will actually drop behind his shoulders and you won't be able to see them as well. It's not that they see you go down and they go, oh, we should bob too because <laughs> <laughs> I try that when I'm on location. I, I try and get people to move. I've done that in so many different places that it's <laughs> it's not funny, but, but that's not ideal. But just by lowering the camera angle, you can actually get rid of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the tourists that are in the back of the shot. The other thing that you want to be aware of is when you've got a very bright background, the eye naturally is will be drawn to the brightest part of the frame. So, a couple of things. Lower your camera angle and then just crop in tighter or just change the camera angle slightly so that you've got one of those beautiful Parisian buildings in the background instead and that's going to make oh, a it, huge it, we, difference. It could be Cyprus. It could, oh, it could be, be Cyprus. Cyprus. Because, yeah, mm. Wow. Cyprus is a good-looking city too. So, beautiful mm. – uh, uh, city somewhere in the world, right, <laughs> behind. But just by lowering that camera angle, cropping in slightly, it's going to make your painter the hero of the shot. But great job and get out there and, you know, just even doing that, the, the, the first attempt at this sort of stuff, I can remember the first street shots that I photographed. I used a super long lens, maybe 200 millimetres. I was hiding behind poles and and uh, behind cars, super nervous, didn't want anyone to, uh, you know, catch my eye that they knew I was photographing them. And the, the more you do it, the more confident you get. So uh, it's just a matter of practice. So well done, Paris. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. All right. We also want to give a big shout out to Peter Turnbull who shared his first post and I love this post so much. I read it to my partner last night. Um, so Peter Turnbull has uh, written, hi Gina, new to the page and podcast and I'm enjoying it immensely. It's so good to hear an Australian voice on a podcast. Now, being an Aussie male in his mid-50s, I've heard a lot of slang, but you threw out something in episode 349 that was new to me. While pulling, you said, while pulling apart the Fuji X-T3, you said the images were as grainy as dog's cojones. Oh, is that your impersonation of me, Val? Is that my <laughs> accent? <laughs> I must say I never really spent a great deal of time looking at dogs' cojones, uh -huh. but I've never noticed a particular grain. <laughs> Keep up the great work and I imagine you'll see my gold member application before too long. Cheers from Brizzy. <laughs> I love it. That's, uh, that's so funny, Peter. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoy it. So just to be clear, when I talk about um, doggy cojones, being mm -hmm. like something being as grainy as doggy cojones like i'm referring to the size so like you know the grain oh. stands <laughs> it stands out like doggy cojones because when you see doggy cojones they stand out you can't unsee it and so oh, the gee, thanks for clarifying yeah, that really yeah. important point gina well, you know no no because peter was saying that it might be the texture of the cojones <laughs> but it's not this 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 podcast val is a high art. High art. High art <laughs> podcast. And for those of yes. you that like uh, slang terms for cojones, <laughs> stand by. I've got a few more later in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> 
All right, let's move on. So welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, everyone else, um, for tuning in. If anyone has uh, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because it helps us in the rankings. Now, Gina, you've also been busy with the Gold Community this week, haven't you? Yeah, so we've got part two of Zero to Hero out. So I've got uh, like everyone that did part one of the course, uh, you know, bringing the lighting in nice and close, learning how to diffuse the light and learning about direction of light. We're now going to move it up and take it to the next level. And we've had um, so much great success. So many of the members just uh, going ahead in leaps and bounds. I've also got uh, the Ask Me Anything coming up and I'm just so proud of these guys because they're going out there. We, we've got we've got members from all – I think we've got members ranging from age from their 20s all the way up mm. to their 80s and also members who are focused on uh, – it doesn't seem like just portraits now. There are people who are like, shooting pets, animals, mm. uh, still life, food – and also, most importantly, like when you can do all of these things, it's a great idea as a photographer, you're also are. So you might be a specialist in, say, food photography. How many times do these photographers get asked, can you just take a group shot of the crew now? And it's a good mm. idea to learn the skills and learn how to do, uh, you know, photograph people and vice versa if you're a, a people photographer you should at least know the basics of shooting products because you might be able to value add to your clients as well Val so lots going on there in the gold community and if you'd like to find out more about the gold community and what it can do for you have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community one of the great things about being part of the community is exactly that, the community. The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Gold community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Natalie Ord about this. What has your experience been with the Gold community and uh, what advice would you have for any of the uh, listeners who might be thinking about joining? Uh, well, it's been great having all of your uh, tutorials to access, but again, um, some of the work for me, I've got to keep it somewhat confidential and because it's a closed community, I can put it up there and get feedback for people. Yeah, so I yeah. love that. Yep. Um, so that is really helpful because often when you're staring at things for a while, you, you can't see things. You're just having that different perspective. but. The, the range of skills that people are in the gold community is fantastic. So, and you learn from everyone regardless of their skill level. Thanks to you and Val and the rest of the community for just being so generous with your time and your knowledge. It really, really is amazing. It's like no other place. So thank you so much. It's uh, a credit to you guys and my work and my uh, growth is attributed to participating in the community. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so let's move on with this week's topic, awkward and cliched portrait poses to avoid and how to improve them. Now, I think that this is a great topic because I quite often see awkward and cliched portrait poses and 
I'm seeing them a lot lately because I'm doing a lot of work in the real estate industry. <laughs> and, um, yes. and of course, I see a lot of um, uh, uh, photos of beautiful houses, but that's unrelated. There's always photos of the real estate agents. Now, they appear yes. in the ads, in actual, you know, magazines. They also appear on the signboards. They also appear... Um, in editorial, they appear on their websites, and some of them are quite good, and some of them are so not. And the worst, actually, is when they are group shots as well, because yeah. <clears throat> they often want to show the whole team, which is fine, um, but sometimes it just doesn't work at all. Or I've seen quite a bunch where, um, this is probably getting slightly off topic, but I've seen quite a bunch where it's a photo of the whole team, but the principles are diminished in, and, you know, the yeah. intern is the, <laughs> the centre of attention or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yes, definitely um, awkward and cliched poses. I see this quite a bit as well, um, particularly with um, certain wedding shots and certain mm -hmm. glamour shots. So not just in the real estate industry, of course. Um, uh, but so where do we start with this? Well, when you think about it, there is a lot of factors that are going to make an image memorable, right? So we've got that decisive moment. So when the photographer decides to take the shot, there's also you've got to factor in the com composition, mm. how, the, how the image is lit, so the lighting, the subject matter, and then the technical competence, all right? Mm. So you can have all of these in an image. So you've got the you've, – you've exposed it correctly, you've lit it beautifully, you've composed it beautifully, the subject matter is interesting – but if the pose and the facial expression are awkward, you can't you can't redo that. It's, it's like it just detracts from the shot. It'll it ruins the image. Okay, so this is an episode where I want to walk you through some, and there's so many Val. There's so many awkward cliche poses to avoid, but. More so, I'll give you some examples of some of them, but I'm also going to give you some go-to posing techniques that even if you completely lack confidence in posing, you can at least whip out the, a couple that are good and that are going to work in, in, in every situation mm -hmm. and at least your model will look confident and more importantly, authentic because it makes a huge difference to... Um, how an image looks, all right? Mm, so, mm. going to start with um, the where I see the most cliche photos. Val, you want to take a stab? Um, weddings? <laughs> Instagram. Oh, Instagram, <laughs> so yes. If you want to find cliche, go to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, followed by weddings. So what it is is I think um, the wedding and portrait industry, yeah, the barrier to entry is probably the easiest. So we're getting a lot of new photographers who are kind of learning and at the same time as they're learning, they're posting their images and because they're, they're working on their images, they're going to go to Instagram or Pinterest to get their inspiration, which 
They don't know at the time, but that inspiration was then borrowed from another photographer who borrowed mm. that from another photographer. So it's just like all these photographers doing the same same poses and thinking that, you know, their work is unique and original. So I want to ask you a question, Val. Go on. Uh, and you can answer any one of these three countries. Okay. Okay. In 2000, no Googling. Okay. Just off the top of your head. Yep. In 2017, yeah. who won UK, Australian, or US Idol? Oh. Can you name one? Uh, no. No. <laughs> so, now I'm not bagging the singers on these shows. I know they're very, very talented, okay, mm -hmm. and they're amazing and good on them for getting up there and doing what they do. The thing is that on these talent shows – what they're doing is cover, cover songs. Yes. So they they may be great in their own right, but you can't just get on and go, hey, I've got these original great songs that I want to share. They go, no, just do the covers that people know. So they, it, it's more about uh, the really good ones will, will remix and kind of make it their own, but a lot of them that you see will do, you know, let's, uh, uh, you know, name a, name a, <laughs> I'm a well-known singer in 2021, Val. Dua Lipa. Right. So <laughs> they'll do a cover and make it sound exactly like that person, right? So yeah. it's forgettable because it's not original, okay? Uh -huh. So here's the thing. Creativity, creativity, the ability to make something up from nothing and make it your own that as a that's as an artist that is your superpower now all of us want to be successful tomorrow and if we can without having to do the work along the way it's just like you know how many how many months can i build a massive empire i don't want to do all the hard work but unfortunately you've got to go through the the, the process so yeah. if if you want to be a photographer that just gets out there, you don't really care about the end result. It's just about let's make um, money, I'll make a living, and I'm not really in it for the art, then knock yourself out. Just copy everyone that you see, do, do that sort of stuff. You'll burn out eventually and you'll get sick of it eventually. Mm. You know, you're not really in it for the art. You're in it to like it's another way of making money. Nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. But if you're someone that that enjoys the art of photography and the art of creating, then I think your 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 biggest superpower, as I've already said, is your ability to be creative and to create work that no one else is doing mm -hmm. or not many people are doing. So. You think about the next uh, 10, 20 years is going to be an explosion of automation. So a lot of jobs that we even see now are going to be taken over by automation. One of them, that, so robots basically, Val, mm -hmm. but one of them that, that can't, the one thing that robots automation can't do is think creatively, mm -hmm. okay? They haven't been able to uh, work out a way to do that and I don't think they ever will. So... If you want to be hired for your creativity, when you're hired for your creativity, you get, you make more money. Your work stands out because it's unique. And but we keep saying this, uh, you know, you need to be more creative. You need to think outside the box. 
how do you how do you become creative? How do you develop that creativity? A lot of people are stuck with that. So I've got a couple of tips and it's a start. And it's like with creativity, the more you use, the more you get. So it's like, it's like with photography, the more you look for images, the more images you start to see. Mm-hmm. So I think that as a creative, you really need to immerse yourself in that art world, the world of art and look around you, like read books, watch art house movies, go to exhibitions. Mm. Don't just go to photography exhibitions, but go to exhibitions of all different genres, you know, needlepoint, um, glass blowing, ceramics, all every, painting, everything, because you, you will be surprised by how inspiring, uh, not just looking at the work, but talking to other creatives. And there might be just something that someone says that just sets you off. Like you might notice that someone has done a, you know, started making, you know, macrame tree warmers. <laughs> I've just made that up, Val. So, you know, when your tree gets a little bit cold, yeah. uh, you come, someone has come, and that's unique. If you Google that, I don't think there's a company yet. So there you go. You can have that for nothing. So you're going to start marketing macrame tree warmers Mm -hmm. or macrame tree decorations, you know, and you might have got that idea because you saw someone else do something slightly different. So you want to work out ways that you can think outside the box and the best way to do that is to actually limit the time you spend looking at um, accounts on Instagram that are just kind of copies of other copies, you know, sure, have a look, get inspired, but try and find ways that you can create and use your imagination and really get out there. And that's by immersing yourself in the art world. What do you do to uh, find creativity, Val? Um, I actually do a number of things. Number one, I do try and get out even just just get out of the house, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you know, like go to like for a walk. That's what I meant. Um, because sometimes you will see things that, uh, just reinvigorate your senses. I try to do new things. So things that I haven't done before, because then you're bound to experience something that, um, you know, well, that you've never thought about before. Mm. Interestingly, I actually get inspiration from reading because I, I, I'm i quite a big reader and I can really visualize feelings and, and, and ideas and that sort of thing. And interestingly, I get a lot of inspiration from television, which is an art form. <laughs> yeah. That it is, and I, I agree with you there, and it's like, you know, we are so lucky, whereas there was a time when television was looked down as a lower art form yeah. to, to movies, it is no longer the case, and mm. it's like the production values you so see good. in TV shows. So there was there's one um, that I've just started watching, and it, it's called The the Unusual Suspects, okay? Oh, yeah, so it's an Australian, so but but... but the thing is, what I notice is like I've not seen a TV show like this. Mm. Like the way it's made, the 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 
all the little twists in it mm. so far, and I've only watched one episode, and it's absolutely got me in. But, it's you know, so there are other shows that you might watch that follow that karaoke formula that I was talking about with, with uh, you know, uh, reality shows like Idol where it's kind of all the same. And, you know, I'm sure you've watched TV shows where you go, this reminds me of another show that I've watched. It's mm. just a, a carbon copy and not as good. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't have that stick. It's not gonna. It's not gonna grab you. But when it's so new, um, and like I, I love the lighting. There's there's so many great shows where the lighting is beautiful, and that can be inspiring. Even the uh, the color palette that they use, the toning that they mm. use, and sometimes how they frame up shots can inspire you. So it's like you know, all that visual stimulation where you're constantly feeding your mind a, 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 a constant stream of beautiful things, eventually it's going to pay off with, you know, increased levels of creativity. And that, I'm telling you, is gold mm. for, for artists. Yeah, absolutely. Like even the show that you are referring to, The Unusual Suspects, uh, it's set in this... Not sponsored by them. We just yeah, like TV. Not, not that's sponsored. All. <laughs> but um, it's set in this house that's on a clifftop and um, and we know where it is. So we're actually going to go there and um, walk around it <laughs> because I really like the breeze blocks, the geometry of the breeze blocks that are in their walls. I'm going to go there and take photos of it and put them in some designs. Yeah, right. See, it's already inspired you. So, yeah. so, so that's, that's fantastic. Um, all right. So the next uh, awkward or yeah. cliche pose yeah. that I see a lot of Val is uh, people trying to pull off complicated fashion oh, type All the poses. angular poses and the poses where you would never stand like that, like that in real life, not even in your wildest dreams. And if you could, you'd probably have some double joints. Exactly. Mm. So here's the thing. And, and we see it a lot more now because, well, everyone's an influencer now. Mm -hmm. Everyone, everyone has their own account where they want to photograph themselves. So they're learning the best ways uh, to do that. And they might be looking for inspiration from, you know, uh, other influencers who are doing these uh, cool and kooky poses. But you know what? There isn't a one-size-fits-all, mm. and there shouldn't be. Mm. And I see this a lot with uh, how people teach lighting as well, that they say, this is the only lighting setup you'll ever need. Here's my go-to lighting setup. It doesn't work for everyone. You've got to photograph the person and not try and, and do this one-size-fits-all. So, mm. you know, you want um, a good pose that uh, takes into account the uh, the physique of the person that you're photographing and also mm. the personality. So what's really dangerous for a photographer is not doing the research on the person that you're photographing. So at the very least, have a conversation with you. But, you, you know, if you're photographing someone and it's it's difficult to not find a background on anyone you could like everyone's got an online presence so you can see what their last photos looked like what they do for a job and uh you know you can even check out their own instagram and see how they like to present themselves so, so let's say val that you've got someone okay i'm going to do your shots okay because you're a fun fun example okay <laughs> great. just enjoy paying out on you <laughs> great. Just, that's my sport 
Okay, so let me just do you as a complete opposite. Uh, so now that you're an artist, Val, mm-hmm. if I – let's just say you randomly contacted me and I don't know who you are mm-hmm. and I'm so up myself that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm just going to take this as like, well, you know I'm a big deal, Val, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll probably be able to fit you – I've got my uh, – <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna use an Aussie slang word that rhymes with banker. I've got my banker voice on. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a, a kind of a big deal in the photography world, and I've got no idea who you are, and I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I looked at an article from you know 20 years ago that said you were an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to photograph. I've got the stylist and the makeup artist worked out. So what I do, I can't speak like this because no. if the wind changes, I'm going to stay like this. Yes, that's right. Um, so I've done no research on you and I've just decided that I'm going to uh, foist my one-size-fits-all lighting system onto you and I'm going to pose you in a way that I think works well. So I'm just going to get you to stand, mm-hmm. dead square to camera. I'm going to put you in a um, – I'm put you in um, – oh, you know what you need? You need to look more like a rock star. So I'm going to put you in leather pants. Great. <laughs> so flattering. I'm going to put you in um, tight leather pants. Fantastic. Right? Really shiny ones. You know the really shiny okay. ones? Okay. I'm going to also put you in thigh-high black – no, red lace-up – no, black lace-up <laughs> boots – like a, a heavy metal band would wear. Can't wait. I'm going to gel your hair so that it's like a mohawk. <laughs> amazing. Oh, my God, you look amazing. And you're going to stand. Your shot for, for all your people is going to what's – the, what's the symbol that he, uh, heavy metal rockers hold up their hand and they've got the – Yeah, that thing. What's it called? Yeah, but what is it? What's the name of it? I don't know. Some kind of. But you know that heavy metal yeah, rocker symbol where you've got your index finger yeah. and little finger. That's out. right. That, both hands in the air like that. Brilliant. So me. <laughs> Isn't it? I've captured you and I'm going to light you. Um, mm-hmm. Like just a really hard light. Uh, I'm going to look yeah, so good. It'll be good lighting. Right? Mm-hmm. Miss the point entirely. Yeah. Right? And I might even, as we get into it, Val, yeah. what I'm picturing is we do that, you know, that Vogue pose where you bend over at the waist and you, you cinch your waist in and you bend over and you look pained. No, look pained in the face. Because <laughs> yes. it's very arty. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the look. So, um. It's not good. We and, and so like often, and I did this when I was starting that, I would get an idea in my head about how I wanted to photograph this person without even bothering to learn more about the person. So that's um, not a good way. A better way to do it is just start with something simple, mm-hmm. okay? And so what I like to do is I like to give the people that I'm photographing a starting point, Okay, so let's just say they're sitting in a chair. I'm going to go in and sit in that chair and say, okay, I want you to sit in the chair. And it's like it's not complicated. You don't want to make it where they're doing 15 different movements because that's overwhelming to start with, okay? So sitting in the chair. Now, one thing that you want to remember is if you as the photographer – 
can't confidently and authentically replicate the pose yourself, Mm -hmm. then there's no way you can direct someone to do it. Yeah, okay, yes, good point. Okay, if you can't do it yourself, Mm -hmm. there is no point standing there behind the camera and go, okay, so move your right, no, move your shot. If you can't do it yourself, don't try and direct it. Yeah. So simplify it as you're learning because as you get better, your confidence increases and then you'll add another pose. So maybe start with two poses and then in a few months you'll build it up to three and then four and then five and then you'll be able to chop and change. Mm -hmm. So start simple. Set your model up and by model I mean the person that you're photographing and then as you as as you've seated them in the pose, what I'm doing is I might be you know tweaking my lights, fiddling with the camera, talking to them about yeah, what you do on the weekend, what are you doing, just just chit chat, right? Mm-hmm. And then at some point they're going to relax and they're going to forget you put them in the pose. And what they're going to do is they're going to shift around and reinterpret that pose, and it becomes their pose. It becomes how they sit. That's what you're looking out for. So you're looking out for that moment where they they own that pose, they make it their own. Because the moment just before where you've made a suggestion, they're going to feel a little bit awkward. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, those little moments where they settle and they get comfortable are gold, you know. Mm. So what I like to do is – you know, for for the absolute newbies, a no-brainer pose, which makes is easy for you to direct and easy for the model to do, is have them leaning against the wall. I've done this with you, Val, mm-hmm. a million times. Yep. It's easy. It's a no-brainer. Once they're in position, when they've got that wall next to them, they feel supported, mm. okay? And then from there, nothing moves and then you can adjust the angle of the legs, you can adjust the tilt of the head, you can crop that, you can do that full length, three quarters and headshot from the one pose. You get your confidence. The person that you're photographing feels confident mm. and then it's a lot easier to maybe introduce some of the the, the harder poses after that. If they're super, super awkward, mm. my favorite go-to pose is just walk towards the camera. Oh. Okay? Just walk towards the camera. And you see this whenever you watch a news story where they've got uh, – they'll have the talking head like the science, scientific expert will get on, yes, we're going to land on mm. um, Mars, we're sending a rocket ship, <laughs> and, you know, and then they need a bit of filler footage. Mm-hmm. What is that other filler footage that you see of the person? Where it's always walking. them walking away <laughs> or walking towards camera yeah. because it's the easiest thing to do because they can't just say – the, the the producers of those segments have given up on saying, yeah, can you just do something interesting so we can film you? I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? I'm a scientist. I only know how about I want to talk about Mars. You know, the other thing, you get them to look through something. But but getting them to walk to, ca- to camera and away from camera mm. is a great one. That's a great one that you can do with groups because it's less awkward, especially if you give them something to do. So there are a couple of uh, really good ways to um, watch out for those, you know, awkward, uh, you know, foisting Mm. uh, an awkward, you know, fashion pose on someone. 
The other thing that you want to look out for is the poses that like, so a lot of photographers will just allow the model, the person that you're photographing to give you whatever pose they want. Mm. And because as photographers, we're so busy, especially when you're starting out going, uh, is the photo sharp? Yeah, check. Background looks good, check. Oh, my light went off. That lighting looks good, check. All right, we're great. We're ready to go. Okay, just stand there, take the photo, and you don't even notice that they might be standing there awkwardly. So what you want to do is uh, have a look for those uh, bot- like get, get comfortable with understanding body language mm. if you want to be a great portrait photographer and understand all the things that people do that show that they might be feeling insecure or threatened, okay? Mm. Now, one of the big ones is people would automatically, if they feel insecure or uncomfortable, they're going to put their hands across their, across their arms in front of their chest. Sure. Okay, It's a, it's a mm-hmm. way of protecting the chest. The go-to one that I cannot believe people are still doing this pose right. in this day and age, okay, is when um, guys stand with their hands in front of their man berries. I told you I would introduce a whole new – I've got a heap of them, okay, holding their McNuggets. McNuggets. Okay, <laughs> their McNuggets. Well, you see that a lot in sporting photos, Yes. Don't you? Like when you, you, you're watching a football team or not watching, but it's you're common. seeing shots, you see that a lot. So the other place that you see this a lot, Val, mm. is when you see a uh, in soccer. It's called mm. football. In, I'm not sure what it's called, where it's called soccer and where it's called football. Okay. But it's the game soccer mm-hmm. where it's got the round ball that's got the black and white hexagons. <laughs> it's either called soccer or football, <laughs> right? When, they're, uh, when they've got a penalty kick for goal, okay, uh-huh. so what happens is the guy from one team gets to have a free shot at goal uh-huh. and we've got the goalie in the goal square and then some of the other team are allowed to protect the goal uh-huh. by standing in front of the goal. Uh-huh. What do they all do when they're standing in front of the goal, Raph? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Gina just called me the name of her son. Sorry, because I was reading a text. Sorry to do that. Let me come back into the room, reading a text and talking about people holding on to their ghoulies. What do they do when you see soccer players? They hold on to their man berries. Standing in front of a goal. Their man berries. How much do you love that? As a name, they're going to be from from this day forward, McNuggets or Manberries. All right, maybe and we should I say. I welcome any other uh, slang words All for right. that. So what you're saying is okay. that that's a very cliched shot where someone's standing there holding onto their McNuggets or hot putting their hands in front of their McNuggets. In front of their Manberries. Mm. It's not just that it's cliche. I see it everywhere. I see right. it at the corporate level, at the oh, highest yes, level. Yes, yes. And I cannot tell you, I don't care anymore, Val. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many high-powered CEOs, politicians, A-list actors I've said, and I never say it to the group. Mm-hmm. I'll always walk up quietly and I'm like, you know, when you put your hands on your McNuggets like that, it makes you look insecure. <laughs> like you're 
Uh, you lack confidence. Mm-hmm. So a better way, if you want to look secure and powerful, mm-hmm. get your hands off your man, Barry. <laughs> and then I step back behind the camera, okay? It does. It is a symbol that that person mm. is feeling insecure because they... the first thing you do is you protect your man, But don't they then just take their hands and put them in their pockets if you just say that? Yes. That's the first thing they do, right? Yeah. 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 Which is uh, so hands in pockets or hands out of pockets. But, you know, I can understand the thinking behind the Manberry pose because mm. I guess people, the photographers doing it at the start were the first guy that ever thought of it. Let's just, why don't you all put your hands in front of your manberries? Yeah, great. That looks good, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, that looks good. And then someone, just like what happens on Instagram, someone decided to copy it, Mm, right? mm. And so now it's become a cliche and people think that it actually looks great. It's awful. Don't do it, please. Don't do it. And I don't think you'll be able to do it with manberry McNuggets. Uh, you will remember that line, hopefully, and it will stop you from doing it. <laughs> the other thing about holding on to Manberry McNuggets is that you end up with hunched shoulders as a result of that because you can't sort mm. of – I'm trying to do it now. I don't have any, mm. but, you know, it's not, it's not that comfortable. So be aware of those tiny little gestures. Also, uh, it's a natural reaction when you put a camera to someone – uh, that, that they will tip their chin up or rear their head back, which just says I'm uncomfortable and so I'm, I'm backing away from the thing that I'm uncomfortable about, which is the camera that's in my face. So they rear their head back and chin up. So constantly I'm reminding my clients that can you bring your head forward and chin down. And it's not enough to just say this. It's a really good idea to show them what you mean. And so what I do is I'm like, the reason I'm saying this and I will stand side on so that they can see, I said, when you bring your chin up, it's the, it's the closest thing to the camera. It's making your chin look really big. Mm. But if you can see me now, I'm pushing my head forward and chin down, see how flattering that is on the jawline and see how much better that looks. And then you might, if they're not convinced, if you can see in their face that they're trying to think this through and they don't look convinced, then I suggest uh, you show them in a photo. You go, okay, here's the, Mm. you know, head back and here's the uh, chin forward Mm -hmm. and down. Can you see the difference? That's why I really think that as a portrait photographer, one of your um, greatest assets is to be able to shoot tethered. So you can easily do that to an Mm -hmm. iPad, a phone, or a laptop, but have some sort of way that like other than the back of the camera that you can show the client how good they look and that you're actually on their side. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think it is that people tilt their chin up? Because it's so true, they do. It's a it's a reaction because you're it's a it's just, it's a subconscious thing that you're scared of that thing that's mm, being yeah. stuck in your face. Mm. So you rear your head back. Everyone does it. Yes, true. It's just like you don't even know you're doing it, but everyone naturally puts their their chin up. Yeah. So that's why I'm constantly saying you just need this. It's like I almost need uh, like a, a repeat recording and head forward and chin down. If you take me as like a lot of the gold you see in the uh, the tutorials that they see me shooting, it's like that's what I'm con- – and head forward and chin down and head forward and chin down. But those uh, three little things uh, are going to make a huge difference. Finding 
the natural uh, set point that someone will will pose in and often they will do it really well on their own, Mm. looking for those moments between frames where your model has relaxed, watching out for those defensive poses. So it's uh, like hands across the top of the body, hands in front of man berries, (laughs) hunched shoulders or chin up, Mm. chin up, head back are the three main ones. And, of course, I have to jump in at this point and say that um, Gina has a fantastic course called How to Direct and Pose Like a Pro, which is so fantastic. It goes through how to pose men, how to pose women, how to pose couples, how to pose groups, and none of them are cliched or awkward. They are absolutely um, winners in terms of – uh, the way Gina explains why they work, but also how to, on a practical level, actually get people into those poses in a way that makes them feel comfortable. So check it out in the resources section of G- at ginamilitia.com. It's really good. Anyway, keep going, Gina. Thanks, Val. All right, so another one, and this is something that's also one of those overlooked things because you just forget to notice it. I call it a one percenter, but it's Mm -hmm. actually more important than that, and I think it's the hands. So it's often completely forgotten what the hands are doing, and again, it comes down to experience. So the more you shoot, the more... It's almost like the more you become competent with all the technical settings of your camera, the time kind of feels like it slows down and you start to notice these little one percenters, what the wardrobe's doing, what's going on in the background, the look on the model's face Mm -hmm. and also what their hands are doing. So most uh, people, if you just leave them to their own devices, it's kind of like that thing. These are the these are the reminders that someone, even though they might look cool, calm and collected on the outside, these are the little things that might say that they may be a little bit anxious because it, it is still uh, – it causes anxiety for a lot of people to be photographed. It's, it's a big deal. So you might see things like clenched fists mm. or awkward, clumsy-looking hands – uh, or like uh, hands that are held to look weird, like it's it's a claw. So what I like to do is give the person that you're photographing something to do with their hands. So mm. the easiest one, if they look super awkward, put the hands in the pockets, okay? Just hide them or give them something to hold on to other than the man berries, something else to hold on to, Okay. And then you want to do things like uh, adjust, adjusting clothing. And um, another really good one is I like to have people uh, play with their hair or run their hands through their hair. Another good one is rubbing hands together. That's a good way to, do, uh, to uh, give the hands something to do. And twirling a ring on your little finger yeah. is a good one because that's a that that just uh, it, and it can look really natural. So those two rubbing hands together, twirling ring on your little finger is a good go-to for uh, corporate poses mm. and uh, also uh, like adjusting clothing. But you know, don't make it too obvious because sometimes if you've got like a say a real estate agent or a CEO adjusting his tie, it can look a bit too kind of fashion. So you want to make it a little bit more subtle. So I prefer maybe hands in pockets or um, uh, rubbing hands together or twirling a ring for those guys. So again, 
you can see that it's again, it's not one size fits all. It, it's got to fit the um, the the job that mm. the person does and also the personality as well. So, you know, that, and that's something I think I was trying to get to when I was talking about you. Like, Val, if you were a, a super, super introverted, mm -hmm. which I don't think you are, <laughs> but, you know, and then but, but for your photos as a super introvert, I said, all right, Val, let's just have some fun. I want you to jump around <laughs> and scream at the top of your voice and mm -hmm. go, yeah. To try and get you to do that, particularly if there's a whole crowd of people watching, yeah. you're just going to be like, kill me now. I don't want to do yeah. it, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you've got the mohawk and you're like, this mm -hmm. is torture. So it's really important to understand who it is you're dealing with, what their profession is, uh, before you just get them to do, you know, any old pose, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So. This next one, Val, is probably one of the most overlooked uh, components of photographs, you know, portrait photography, and that is photo face, mm. you know. So people will focus on the sharpness, the location, how much noise, the lighting, and because they just forget about composing the face. So what happens is you get this great shot, but the – the model looks uh, bored or tense or awkward or mm. angry. So when I'm shooting, let's say I'm working for 30 minutes with a model, mm -hmm. okay? So that time, six minutes I will spend getting the lighting right and composition and everything. The entire rest of my time is spent connecting and encouraging mm. and getting warmth and getting them to forget their, you know, at a photo shoot and, st and stop overthinking. What, what's the thing that I constantly say to you when I'm photographing you, Val? Where have you gone? <laughs> Where have I gone? And it's like there was a couple of times when I did that to you, you go, I don't understand what you're saying. So I had to explain it to you. I'm like, okay, you go into your head, you leave the room and you're back at the office trying to solve all these problems. I'm like, okay, for the next five minutes, the only task that you have is to be in the room mm. with me, focus on the camera and stop thinking, yeah. which is hard to do with you. <laughs> it's hard to do with anyone. So, mm -hmm. you know, my go-to with you is I just say Rexy Think or of Rocky. Rexy, my babies. I just say think, think of Rexy and suddenly your whole face <laughs> lights up yeah. and you can't help but be happy. So all those photos you see that I've taken of Valerie where she's just delighted with <laughs> smile, beaming all i've said is think of rexy and so you can find a rexy in anyone that you photograph mm. everyone has someone that they love that much in their life mm. you've just got to chip around and find it you just keep asking questions because someone sometimes you can be sitting there and you'll go yeah, so what's your partner do for a living? There's no change in expression. They go, yeah, he's a plumber. And it's like, okay, it's not the partner. She didn't light up there. So, And then you say, uh, what about your kids? Yeah, they're all right. Again, <laughs> and then you go, so you got a cat? Oh, my God, my cat. And you go, that's it, bingo. Or it might not even be, you know, the cat, the partner or the kids. It might be the job that lights them up or the holiday or something. Yeah. You will find find it you will see it in their eyes and this is the thing that you want um 
to make sure that that you get rid of that photo face and you spend the time connecting and getting rid of and you you can see it I've, I've written heaps of blogs we cover it a lot in the goal community and I actually run through tutorials where I show you uh, an awkward looking face or an expression dead eyes dead cold eyes no one home mm. and then bringing that light in mm. that's your job as the photographer and I say Six in a thirty-minute session. Six minutes. Six minutes are dedicated to lighting and posing and and composing. The rest of the time is working on getting that expression, and that's mm. the difference between getting a you know an okay shot, but the model there's no one home in the eyes. And I want you to try and look through magazines, newspapers, look online, look at the photos, and you'll be able to notice the difference who's home in the eyes and who is not. And you will be amazed at how many photographs are out there where the eyes are dead. They're Mm. not connected. They're not not in their body at that time when they were taking the photo. So true, so true. Yeah, great advice. Okay, what else? All right, so... We'll finish up with uh, group shots. Oh, yes. And there's quite a lot. We could go for hours. We could dedicate – we will dedicate another show to this. But the the one that stands out is like for some reason Mm. when anyone decides to do a group shot – can you answer this, Val? Why does everyone squish in together? (laughs) It's like, okay, we're going to do a group shot and everyone piles on top of each other and you always get the people who don't want to be photographed. The first thing they do is they go to the back of the group. So you only see uh, their eyes, maybe the top of their nose and their hair in the back of the frame. Where's Janice? Janice? Oh, she's in the – oh, that's her there. She's hiding, Mm. you know. And so – and then the – I don't, I don't know, all the really confident people are right up the front with their arms out and and, uh, and then you've got – and everyone's bunched in and squished in together. So like the one thing you can do is when you're doing a group shot like this mm. is take your time, mm. slow down, all right? And this takes courage because you think, oh, my God, everyone's judging me by how fast I'm shooting this. Mm. But – it is much worse to be judged for that couple of minutes that you're going to take to actually make sure everyone looks good and then rushing it and getting a, a lame photo that no one remembers mm. as opposed to, yeah, it took a couple more minutes, but look, have a look at how good Dave and Janice looks in the back there and everyone looks amazing. So one simple hack you can do is spread the group out mm. more than you think. So don't find a little stairwell where everyone or like a little room where everyone's hunched in all on top of each other and you can't see Janice in the back. All right. You want to look for a space where you can spread the group out. And then if you can't, if you've, if you've only got like a lineup of people, like it might be, you know, five, seven, eight people, then do them in a line. That's okay. But if you can and you've got the opportunity, try and stagger the group in some way because what happens is you see a lot of these group shots and they kind of look square and blocky. Yeah. It's like everyone's the same height and it's just blo- – so you'd be seeing a lot of those when you see the the group real estate portraits, yeah. right, Val? Yeah. You see like they're kind of blocky and even sometimes they get them all sitting but everyone's sitting on the same level and, and yeah. no one's standing and, 
and the intern stands out because interns, <laughs> I've got my own Instagram account. I'm really good at it. I think I should be in the front of the group. Yeah, I'm amazing. Anyway, yeah, you're welcome. Um, so what you want to do is try and stagger the group and have some people sitting and some people standing. And even that at the very least is going to make a huge, huge difference to how the shot looks. Mm-hmm. Spread them out, stagger them. And that makes a big difference. So there you go, Val. There's some tips on um, to get you started on how to avoid awkward and cliche portrait poses. Love it. Fantastic. Some really good gems in there. And as I mentioned, Gina has a whole course on on um, posing uh, people and has actual, you know, visual examples where she gets in there and poses herself, but she also shows you the outcome, the final shots um, and explains how she coached coaches people into those poses and um it's uh it's such a winner of a course i absolutely love it so as i mentioned it's in the resources section over at ginamilitia.com but um i loved this week's episode gina fantastic Thanks, good stuff Belle. what are you yeah, doing in yeah. the coming week Okay, so those of you in our So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook group would have noticed that I, this week I posted an article where I talked about how proud I was of my Italian ancestors because, <laughs> and I'm not sure if you saw this, Val, but there mm. is an Italian artist who just auctioned off an invisible sculpture. Oh, yes. Oh, my for goodness. $18,300, okay? <laughs> I couldn't be more prouder. Couldn't be more proud. So based on this, Val, I'm having an exhibition. An exhibition of? Invisible photography. Love it. (laughs) Are you going to also action It's archivally printed, all of it. Oh, Um, my God. So it will last, I guarantee, all of these works will last a billion years. (laughs) I love it. Okay, Mm. cool. So I'm just uh, putting that together. I've got to find um, 50 of my favourite invisible photographs. Yes. I've got actually uh, one of the the Goldies, Vanessa MacGyver actually added a – she actually wrote out an artist statement, which was uh, fantastic as well. Um, Because I was thinking of ways that I could uh, make it more – like I needed a, a pretty pretentious name. Mm. So, so far I've got void. Do you like that? <laughs> Unfilled. Empty. <laughs> I love it. Blank check. I kind of like blank check. Blank check. And ka-ching. <laughs> These are my names. Um, That's and great. What's, uh, v- Vanessa's written a conceptualist, existentialist series of void imagery that encourages the viewer to seek the answers to question one's asks when peering into the void of one's thoughts, life, destiny. Oh, my God, Pieces that's that fantastic. truly ignite the viewer's imagination and excuse making capabilities, groundbreaking works that need to be displayed in centres of power such as the private dwellings of numerous world leaders. I love it. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's coming soon. And I'll do a... um, an invisible NFT drop as well to coincide with the exhibition. Wonderful. <laughs> Going to be rich, All right, though. you'll be busy then. I'll be so busy. What about you? Uh, what will I be doing? Um, I bought a new gadget. 
You bought a whole new house. Are you going to tell us about that, your new digs? Well, I was disappointed to not be able to go up there. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll have to wait till you are actually able to come up here. But I have been collecting Qantas frequent flyer points, points my whole life and I've never spent them ever. Right. Ever. And not that I've got heaps or anything, but they're quite precious to me because I've collected them for decades. And I finally decided to spend them on a Dyson V11 animal uh, stick vacuum. Wait, is that the one I was telling you about? The the this the portable one, right? Um, actually, I actually texted you to ask me to send that link, but you didn't reply to my text. Just yeah, because you're not worthy of the the version I'm getting. Okay, you needed to fine. get the Dyson, all right, and you did the right thing. Um, so anyway, do you love it? Uh, love it. Oh my god, this is yeah. not sponsored in any way. Just to be clear, no. I'm just in love with my Dyson. So I'll be vacuuming. <laughs> that's uh, that's something I never thought I'd hear you <laughs> say, Belle, at all. No, ever. No, I know. That's so exciting. <laughs> it's, you can come and vacuum my um my gallery space because uh, yeah. I'm still I'm It won't take for long because so, there will be nothing in it. Yeah, but it's like it's got to be clean. Okay, you know? sure. That's important. All right. Fantastic. All right, so where do we find you online, Gina? <laughs> you can find me at ginamilitia.com. Uh, it's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm Gina Militia at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the Gold Community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on, what is it, Val? Membership. Memberships, that's it. <laughs> what about you? All right. Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.